Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Anti-Reactive Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hoppy, parent, educator, and counselor, mom of two, and lover of all things related to parenting. This episode, we are talking all things six-year-olds. That's right, we are just honing in on six-year-olds, which may seem completely random, and it kind of is, but I'll explain in a minute. But even if you don't have a six-year-old right now, or a child in the neighborhood of six, as this information pertains to ages around five and a half to seven, somewhere around there, but even if you don't have a six-year-old, then you'll either have a six-year-old in the future, or this will help you understand why that age may have felt so challenging, and also help you understand that it wasn't just you or just your kid, but challenges at this age are actually very common which is the real reason behind this episode. Somewhere around the age five and a half to seven years old come some very unique challenges. And it seems like it lacks explanation. And that is hard on us as parents. And nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about how when things seem to be going smoothly, now that your child is out of diapers, is going to the bathroom, is able to wait and be more patient and doesn't require snacks at all hours of the day. They sleep through the night and is now a whole lot more capable and actually independent, not like those preschoolers who think they're independent and aren't actually there yet. We think at this age it should be a cakewalk, but then you get blindsided by a host of other issues randomly and you wonder what the heck is going on. Well, I'm here to tell you, you're not crazy. I see this happen all of the time, over and over again with the families I work with. And there are patterns that emerge around age six that just don't get talked about in the mainstream. So we're going to bring these factors into focus today to shed light on what is going on in the brain and in the development of these kiddos and why you may be wondering what happened or is happening, or is going to happen at this very special age. So let's set the scene here. Age six, or, you know, in the neighborhood of six. This is when kids are around the latter part of kindergarten or first grade. And this age is so fun. Around age five, kids are transitioning out of that young preschooler stage into bigger kids. They're entering elementary school, and they have grown so much in their capabilities. As I mentioned earlier, the physical demands of parenting have decreased a lot by this point. Hopefully, as a parent, you are now feeling better rested, your own needs are being addressed better, and your lunches consist of better things than the leftover scraps of peanut butter and jelly crusts in a half-eaten handful of goldfish crackers. Hopefully, also, you're able to shower more regularly and take a moment to finish a task before being pulled into something your child wants, because now your child is better at waiting. This is often when parents think, we've made it, we're out of the trenches, but our child is still little, and they love us completely, and they're not too big for bedtime snuggles and stories. The tantrums have faded, it's easier to go out in public, and communication skills are so much better. And all of this is true. At this age, everyone is coming out of survival mode and they are enjoying the fruits of all of that labor over those early years. Yay! 
But then out of nowhere, what's this? Wait a minute. The crying has started again. So many tears. And it's happening more frequently. Whoa, what else? Is that actual anger? Like, child, are you actually mad at me? And hold up. A clingy child that doesn't want me to leave his sight? I've been dropping you off at school for a year with no issues. And now you don't want me to leave? And being away from me makes you cry? I thought I was free from all this guilt. Any of this sound familiar? If your kids are a little older, then you have the experience to know that this may be a blip in the grand scheme of childhood. And you may have even forgotten about it. But for those of you who are in it now, or will be in the years ahead, this is very common, but also very confusing behavior. We expect tantrums from a toddler, and we're told they tantrum because they don't have the language skills to fully express their wants and needs. And this is combined with a fierce drive for independence, but they lack the fine and gross motor skills, as well as the height and life experience to do a lot of things for themselves. Tantrums are frustrating, but we can at least understand why they occur for a toddler. And by late age, say four, five years old, these behaviors gradually fade away as language skills and motor skills develop, kids gain life experience, and mature. So when these undesirable behaviors return, parents are often left scratching their heads because those classic reasons for tantrums don't exist anymore. Their language is better. They have the skills. What's going on? Okay, so here's the deal. Again, nobody talks about this, but around this magical age of six, you will find yourself living with what I call a pre-preteen. We all know teens and preteens are notoriously moody, primarily due to a change in their hormones and cognitive and emotional development. And all of that brings about a greater influx of emotions. Well, buckle up, parents, because around the age of six, there is another significant jump in emotional development. Okay, before the age of six, you can ask any preschooler and they can tell you the basic emotions. I mean, think about all of those board books you've read with your kids. We can say happy, scared, sad, surprised, mad. And if your preschooler is a fan of Daniel Tiger, they may even be able to tell you that sometimes you feel two feelings at the same time, and that's okay. But these emotions are pretty basic until age six. At age six, these basic emotions become more refined and better comprehended, better understood. So the feeling no longer is just excited, It's anticipation with a hint of experience, but enough wisdom to know there's still so much yet to learn. The feeling is no longer labeled as just sad. It becomes an understanding of permanent loss and the passage of time. It's not just surprised. It's amazement with an appreciation for the people who made that amazement and surprising thing happen. It's not just happening at me, but I know that my mom and dad love me so much and they took the time to put in the work to make this surprise happen. This new understanding of everything they can see and comprehend 
that goes on behind emotions and the events that precede them can be overwhelming. It's They're seeing it for the first time. Before, in preschool, a friend takes your toy, you cry, tell the teacher, eventually, hopefully, learn to use your words, and more often than not, you get your toy back and life moves on. But now, a six-year-old's eyes are open to the fact that now at this age, if a child takes their toy, it was a premeditated act. And now we're thinking about why in the world would someone, again, from the perspective of a six-year-old, why would someone be so cruel and selfish? The feeling of disappointment now is fueled by the true independent effort they put into something. Now they are realizing not everybody can be a winner. And you can do your best, but even doing your best can still result in being a loser. By age six, kids have gained a lot of wisdom about how the world works, and they are now more savvy socially. And they are learning that things are not as simple or as black and white as they have known it to be their entire lives. Perhaps now you can understand why the tears are flowing again. At the age of six, there is also a critical development in maturity as children move out of a stage of total dependence on an adult into a stage where they can now, for the first time, begin to take care of and be responsible for themselves. To move on to this stage of maturity, children have to completely let go of old truths and make a leap into the unknown world of actual independence and not that faux toddler independence. This is when a child's brain fully transitions into being a separate entity from their parents. The world as they have always known it is no longer what they thought it was. This is a brain that realizes it won't always be mommy and me until the very end. A brain that sees I am my own person with my own life and my own identity. And my parents, they are their own people with their own lives that don't actually 100% fully revolve around me and what I want. This realization is scary. For their entire lives, your child operated under the assumption that the two of you were a singular unit that belonged together forever and would never be separated and your lives should always be entwined. Coming to the realization that this isn't true and that not only is there a separation between the two selves, the parent and the child, but that the child is their own individual self that has their own identity and they are responsible for that identity and developing it is a super scary realization. They are understanding that they are going to be on their own for the first time. Whoa. Mom and dad have always been there to be a safety net, and they are now realizing that safety net is not always going to be there, and they are going to become their true self separate from you. Does that help you understand why your child is now crying when you drop them off at school? or would rather stay by your side than play with their friends all of a sudden? The final point I want to bring up is that the brain is an amazingly complex thing that is intertwined with so much power and function that the development of one area is going to affect a whole host of other cognitive processes. There is a lot of new development going on at this age, and as a result, issues that may have been lingering under the surface 
will also begin to emerge around this time as children come into their own selves. Heading into first or second grade, once the bulk of these big changes have passed, this is when things such as ADHD or anxiety really come into focus. If you've suspected your child may be having difficulty with attention, first or second grade is when you're going to find out if your suspicions are confirmed, especially if you are an intentional parent that is very much in tune with your child. If you've noticed your child worries a lot, get ready for that worry to play a bigger role in their everyday life and in how they view the world. If you have a child with sensitive emotions, they may become even more sensitive to how other people are feeling. Now, this isn't all bad. This is just how their brains work. And if this is something that you recognize in your child or you identify with, you can expect that this is when you'll likely be entering a new and unique challenge in your parenting journey. So what's the deal with six-year-olds? They are leaving behind a simple world of basic emotions, insecurity, and entering a deep void of unknown self-reliance and discovering who they are for the first time and are in a full-on free fall. Scary. The good news is, this face doesn't seem to last very long and doesn't permeate every aspect of their lives, like toddlerhood or teenhood. You know with toddlers, those difficult years, they take years. <laughs> Same with teens. We know that those issues stretch across years. For six-year-olds, it really is just kind of a, a season that comes and goes and doesn't last very long. And honestly, this is probably why it doesn't get the attention it deserves because it's not that long lasting. But please know, if you find yourself scratching your head over why your six-year-old is suddenly having emotional breakdowns, randomly doesn't want to leave your side, is giving you extra sass, or exhibits a host of new personality quirks, there is a good reason for it. And you don't have to fear this is a regression you'll be trapped in. It's just a bittersweet sign that they're growing up becoming their own person, and learning about the realities of the world. And while your child is moving through these changes, it's especially important to remember to remain true to your values. It's also a good time to reevaluate your boundaries and see if there are opportunities to give your child more freedoms. And definitely lean into the non-negotiables because your child will absolutely need the comfort and security of knowing where the lines are during these developmental phases where their understanding of the world is changing right in front of them. So let them know which things are not changing. Those boundaries and limits will make them feel safe and secure, even if they try to tell you otherwise. And if you don't have a six-year-old in your house right now, give your friends that do an extra hug and talk about the weirdness that they're dealing with because no one else is. Okay, that's it for today's episode, listeners, and I just wanted to thank you for listening. If you continue to enjoy these episodes, please give a quick five-star rating, just one little tap, and if you're feeling extra, a quick positive review. These are much appreciated and help others to find this podcast in their quest to become better parents. Don't forget to follow our podcast and add it to your library so you don't miss an episode. Also, for all of you fathers out there, check out the companion to the Anti-Reactive Parenting Podcast. Podcast is called Life Fatherhood. Life stands for Lead Your Family with Excellence. This is a short-form podcast for fathers about how to deal with challenges raising your kids 
and increase your excellence as a father who leads intentionally. You can find Life Fatherhood, that's L-Y-F-E, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Until next time, parent intentionally, plan for what's to come, and be anti-reactive.